Armoire makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for more new-to-you styles. My favorite thing about Armoire is all the different style and occasion options from casual to athleisure to night out, work formal, work casual, a total of eight different occasions, three weather options, and 11 categories including accessories, outerwear, and blazers, just to name a few. With Armoire, you can always have something new to wear without the hassle and closet clutter. You know the feeling. You open your closet, it's full, but you have quite literally nothing to wear. You're bored with everything in there. Enter Armoire. Armoire allows you to rent high-quality designer clothes for every occasion. Whether you're planning your outfit for date night, packing for a conference, or in need of a gown for a black tie event, you will be the best-dressed person in the room. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off the first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash parenting. That's armoire.style. A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash parenting to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Your Village podcast, Parenting Beyond Discipline, the place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your host, Erin Royer. Now, I plan to answer two questions today, but the first question has three really important areas to cover, and I want to have time to get to each of those areas. Also, because it's so hot right now, I'm going to take a few moments at the end to give my thoughts and commentary about what's going on in the news about the college entrance scandal. Now, obviously, those are good intentions in parenting gone wrong, very very wrong. If you haven't heard about it, I'll give a little background, but probably most of you have heard it. It's been quite the buzz in my newsfeed lately. So, but let's get to the question first. This week's question is about how and when to leave a toddler at daycare or preschool to make it the easiest transition as possible. And this question is from Matt, who says, Hello, Erin. My wife and I love your podcast. Thank you so much. The question today is about transitioning to daycare. Our little one started daycare when he was around nine months old and was there for about four months until we decided to withdraw him from daycare. It was not a good experience. He never fully adapted and he had three different teachers in that period of time. Plus he was sick all the time. He cried every time we left him there and every time we saw on the camera, he was playing by himself all alone and not participating in any of the activities or interacting with other kids who were mostly a year older than him. Still, he does not like going to hang out with kids around his same age, though he loves hanging out with older kids and adults. We think that it's important for him to develop social skills with peers, and we would like him to attend a daycare for three days a week at least. 
but we don't know how to do it. Should we play with him at the daycare for a week or so until he feels the daycare is a safe space, or should we just drop him off at the daycare? They had advised us to just leave him there and leave as soon as possible, but that doesn't feel right. Are there any other things we can do to make him feel more comfortable at daycare and with other children his age? One consideration is that he has a bit of a speech difficulty. He has 12 to 18 month old language skills. Thank you again so much and looking forward to hear your advice. So there's several great topics in here to cover. A couple of developmental topics, which is separation anxiety, and then the social development around play and interaction with peers. And then I think it's also important to cover some tips on looking for a daycare or preschool program as well. So to start with the developmental piece, and in particular, the development of self and play and social skills. So in one of the episodes a while ago, I talked a bit about the development of self. So if you remember back to that one or you have heard it, I share that right around nine months is when a baby begins to realize they're a separate being from everyone else, from mom and dad, from anyone else, so any other caregiver. And this is why you often start to see separation anxiety show up at this age. Now, shortly after this realization, there's the whole concept of self, me, my, and mine, which is developing. And this is why you start to hear those words a lot, because the realization of self is now real, and the sense of self is developing. This is also why you start to hear the word no frequently after this sense of self begins to develop. I can assert myself, I can say what I want. So around nine months, baby begins to realize I am my own person and this is a pretty big deal. It means independence and playing with that idea of independence, but it also means I'm on my own and that's scary. And so baby will look for a loved one to check in with frequently, come back for a check-in and for a feeling of safety and security. And once he or she has this, they then feel confident and safe to go back out and explore but he or she will come back and check in frequently or infrequently depending on the temperament and how safe they feel in that environment or on that day, in that moment, and will then start to explore further out. And also depending on temperament, they may stay closer to mom or dad or not as close, just depending on that individual child. Also, when they're sick or tired, they get more clingy. So these expressions that bounce between autonomy and connection and security will run the spectrum from one end to the other throughout the toddler and preschool years and into elementary for many kids. So when it comes to supporting your child through this process, when you need to leave, there are a couple of options. The first thing though, regardless of your options, is you wanna set a goodbye ritual. You never wanna sneak out or the reactions will get worse and it works against them feeling safe to go and explore on their own if they fear that a parent will disappear the moment their back is turned. But once you do the goodbye ritual, you then wanna go ahead and leave, letting them know you will be back. When this happens, babies and toddlers go through a four-step process in learning to deal with the separation. Now, in most cases, this only lasts a few minutes after you leave, and it is a very normal process. Now, throughout the toddler and preschool years, this separation anxiety will kick in from time to time and will come and go throughout those years. You may go months without any tears or pushback, and then it will pop up again, and this is normal. So... The first option is what we call a slow transition. 
This is what you can do in the beginning. So only the first week or two of a new daycare or preschool, depending on how many days a week your child attends. It's a way to stay and allow your child to feel comfortable in the environment before you leave, and it tends to work really well. However, you do need to be able to slowly remove yourself over a three to five day period away from your child and the daycare preschool experience. Now, not all daycares or preschools allow this. So if this is important to you, then you'll want to ask any potential school if they are accepting of this. So on the first day, you want to hang out for a few minutes and join in with your child. Then you want to stand back and watch for a few minutes. If your child is still struggling with the idea of you leaving and if you can, if you have the time and if the school allows, you can follow these steps. You're going to want to do this for three days to a week depending on how your child adapts. So the first day, you want to plan to stay and help out at the school. The second day, and possibly up through day four, you're going to sit on a chair by the door or right outside. You may or may not end up staying the entire time, but be prepared just in case. Now the important thing is to be the most boring thing in the room. Be there but not involved. Read a book. Don't look at or engage with your child. If you smile and engage, your child will come over to you. If your child says, hey, look what I did, "Uh uh-huh, would be appropriate. This is not being rude. This is simply because you are working on the separation process. You You can allow your child to cling to you and come to you, but respond very minimally or not at all when your child comes to engage with you. Now, when everything's been going well, you can make little trips away. I'm going to the bathroom. I'll be back in five minutes. I need to run out to my car and grab a pen. I'll be back in just a minute. You're going to do the goodbye ritual and leave. Then return in five minutes like you promised. Okay, I'm back. No comfort, love, or snuggle, even if they're crying. Otherwise, you send the message, you need me and I'm rescuing you. You want to gradually take longer trips away. Let the play and the teacher invite the child to play instead of pushing your child to join. Allow your child to find their comfort instead of pushing it or ripping off the band-aid. Once your child has developed the resilience of adjusting within a few minutes of you leaving, this should happen by day three to day five, depending. And after this, you can start your regular drop-offs. Now, there's a lot more to this question that I'd like to get to, including development of play and social skills, as well as some tips for choosing a preschool or daycare program that is a good fit for your child and family. So I'll get to that right after a word from our sponsor, Modern Fertility. Modern Fertility is the first comprehensive fertility hormone test for women that you can take at home. We're waiting longer to have kids. We've got stuff to do but it's posing a problem. One in six couples has trouble conceiving. We all have the tools to prevent pregnancy, but we need more information to help us plan for it. Modern Fertility gives you customized reports to help you understand your fertility through your hormones. You'll have a personal fertility team to help you understand your results and make a game plan. You get access to a team of fertility nurses, a weekly webinar, and their online community of women just like you. It's super convenient. You can take the test at home, send in your test, and get your physician-reviewed results in just a few days. It's cost-effective. At just $159, Modern Fertility gives you access to the information you need to help you plan ahead. These are the same tests that are over $1,000 at a doctor's office. 
The test can tell you if you have more or less eggs than average, what you could expect from IVF or egg freezing, how your hormone levels relate to PCOS, which one in 10 women have, and about your hormone health in general. This process was so easy, and I already shared about these first few steps when I got my kit in the mail, and there's a really nice tutorial on their website, and you can watch the video to see how to run the tests. Uh, you run the test on day three of your cycle, and then just drop it in any mailbox. It's already addressed, postage is already fully paid, then you get an email when your results are in and you can log in and see the results. And they tested everything. It was great to see these results. So let's just say that even in my late 40s, it's a good thing I'm careful. I love my three kids, but I'm done having babies. But it's really nice to know that if I miraculously change my mind, it's still a possibility. As my husband likes to joke, you can have more kids with your next husband. I'm done. <laughs> but I agree with him 100%. I'm done as well. So we're on the same page there. To take the test for yourself and see your own results, visit modernfertility.com parenting. Take the fertility quiz and get $20 off your modern fertility test. That's modernfertility.com parenting to take the fertility quiz and get $20 off. Now that we're back after a word from our sponsor, let's get back to Matt's question. When it comes to the separation anxiety piece, there's a lot of other ways to minimize the anxiety at drop-offs, especially as they ebb and flow over the coming years. So for more on that, as well as the separation anxiety process, why separation anxiety is okay, and not just okay, but actually helpful to their development, so long as it's done in a particular way, you can see the class on separation anxiety at yourvillageonline.com under the health and development section. Hey, Parenting Beyond Discipline listeners, ready to create a home that fosters love, warmth, and style? Look no further than Home Threads, your partner in crafting a nurturing environment. At HomeThreads.com, explore a thoughtfully curated collection of furniture designed for families who believe in positive parenting. From cozy reading nooks to durable playroom essentials, our pieces are crafted to enhance your parenting journey. Home Threads has an incredible selection of furniture, decor, and accessories like throw pillows, blankets to snuggle under for family movie nights or reading time that helps you create the warm, cozy home that is the foundation for happy family memories. I love all the great pieces I've gotten from Home Threads to finish the look in my home. Gorgeous yet durable and cozy accent throw pillows, blankets, and some really cute wall decor. I have an ocean theme throughout my downstairs, so I got a couple of really great wall pieces to finish that look. And some picture frames for the family photos. Visit homethreads.com parenting today and get a code for 15% off your order. That's homethreads.com parenting parenting to get your code for 15% off your order because great parenting deserves a great home. Home threads. Love where you live. To me, there is nothing more important than my family's health and well-being. We all know the quality of the air in our home is important, but did you know indoor air quality can be up to a hundred times dirtier than outdoor air? I've got to tell you about Puro Air. In 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, dander, and gases from the room. Puro Air uses a stronger filter called a HEPA-14 that filters pollutants at a microscopic level and is backed by scientists from Harvard and MIT. In laboratory studies, users saw noticeably cleaner air in just 
30 minutes. When it comes to babies and children, there's nothing worse than dealing with a cranky baby or child who can't sleep because of congestion. Air purifiers can help reduce congestion and improve immune system function to fight those winter colds and flus. I use my Puro Air purifiers to clean the air in my home, especially in our bedrooms while we sleep. It has a quiet, relaxing hum and cleans the air from pet dander, allergens, viruses, dust, mold, odors, and contaminants. It has four levels, low, medium, high, and sleep and four different timer options so you can customize it to your home and your needs. Check out Puro Air at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. Puro Air is the only air filter that uses a HIPAA 14 filter. That's getpuroair.com. So now I'm going to cover the play and social development piece. So it's not until around the age of three that children move from parallel play to interactive or cooperative play with each other. Parallel play is when toddlers play beside each other, alongside of each other, but really don't interact with each other during their play. They may both be playing trains, they may both be playing blocks, but they don't generally interact with each other during this play process. Part of this is because the language skills are not developed enough for the cooperation, but neither is the concept of the other, because the concept of the self is just beginning to develop. So with that said, sometimes they will hand things to each other if one of them points or asks, or they may run around the playground together. So through this second year into the third year and also into the fourth year and beyond is where the concept of the other is starting. Once the concept of self is understood pretty well is when the concept of the other then begins to develop. Who are these other people? They like things differently than me. They might do things differently than me. And that hell has to develop before kids can cooperatively play together. So when it comes to play, that involves cooperative planning, let's build a castle or let's play the ice cream shop, anything where they cooperate and come up with ideas together or work off of one another's ideas, you won't start to see this until typically around three years and older. So for Matt, this is very likely the reason that your son was not playing with other kids. He was in the daycare from about nine to 13 months. So this is when he was just figuring out who he was, that he was his own person, and then how to use his body to manipulate toys and to get where he wants to go, like crawling and standing and walking. So he was working on a lot of other things at that time. But now even at two, he and most of his peers, especially if he's early two, if he's getting towards the end of two and will soon be three, that's a little bit different. But kids who are early two, even two and a half, are not playing together much. The idea and concept of the other is really new and just starting to develop. So other than a little roughhousing or trying to get the tricycle first before someone else gets to it, there's not a lot of play happening together. Then around three, a little before for some kids, a little after for others, is when they will start to work together with their play and begin to be able to work together on the rules or the overall idea. Let's play ice cream shop. I'll be the server first and you can be the customer. Then we can take turns. Okay, this is where we keep the ice cream. Yeah, and this is the cash register. Hmm, what are we gonna use for money? 
So this type of cooperation will develop throughout that third year. So if you have a one or two year old who isn't engaging much with other kids during play, this is not a cause for concern. So for Matt, to go more into your question, it's not surprising that your son does enjoy older kids more because older kids have the play skill and can engage your son into the play to whatever degree he's ready. If you have two kids your son's age, they're both earlier on in their social development and so neither will be ready or able to take the lead. And so this does make sense to me. I wouldn't worry about Pierce's own age until he's around three. This is a really good time to start a preschool or daycare program to work on those social skills. If it's something you need to do for work purposes, that's totally fine. But just don't expect his social skills to blossom for a while yet. The other option is to get him some exposure by getting out to the park a few times a week. Again, you don't need to push it. You don't need to... Um, you don't need to push it, you don't need to suggest it, but just allow him to interact or just be around other kids, and that's fine for now. Now, oftentimes you'll see the same kids there. He'll get practice and exposure being around the same kids each week, and we'll probably eventually begin to reach out to each other, make some eye contact, maybe start to do some silly little things together, and then start to engage more and more and play together as they get to know each other and as they develop. You also could have short playdates at the house up to an hour with one or two other kids to get some practice with social skills. But the same thing as the park. Don't push anything. Don't expect anything. Allow them to kind of just be around each other and interact in whatever ways that they feel comfortable at their age. So these are some options at these younger ages. The last piece I want to discuss is finding the right program. For any parent out there who's looking for a potential preschool or daycare program, really take your time on this because it's really hard to switch once you and especially your child is ingrained in a program to switch it out. It's hard to pull them away from whatever friendships, even if they're just starting to take hold and away from the familiarity of a program if the administration isn't living up to your expectations. Now the turnover of teachers is a problem for a nine month old who's struggling with separation anxiety and most nine month olds are. So they need that security of one or two caregivers that are a constant at the school to maintain that feeling of security while they are there. They need an attachment figure at the school they can count on to be there most of the days. Now these are things that you don't always know to ask about the program, about the administration, the daily schedule, their expectations of children, and on and on. And I've gotten several other questions lately, all related, that I will be covering in upcoming episodes that have come up about expectations of a toddler that are honestly just not age appropriate. And I feel bad for families who've put down a deposit and their child has started to connect with a teacher or friends, but the program isn't the best fit or in the best interest of their child. Many times these things can be worked out with the school and the director or owner is not aware, but sometimes they cannot and the family has to start all over looking for another program, the child has to start all over at a new school. Now kids are resilient, so it's not that big of a deal, but the whole separation process and getting used to a new environment, teachers and peers, plus the whole search process is a bit stressful in and of itself, including the time commitment that that takes. So for more on that, a list of questions to ask and things to look for when you visit your preschools, you can see the class on choosing a preschool on the website at yourvillageonline.com under the education menu at the top. Okay, so I'm guessing most of you have heard about this, but if you haven't, there has been a list of at this point 50 different families, parents, 
on the wealthier side, along with some other key players who have been named in a scheme to cheat their way into top universities. They've used things like altered SAT scores and fake sports participation, and I won't go into the details on that or how they did it, but in addition to the parents paying for this service, knowing full well that it was cheating, that they were getting their child's test scores altered, that they were lying on applications about a child's participation in sports in order to beef up their application, they reported the expenses as a donation to a nonprofit, and that's actually where they're really in trouble. It's for tax fraud. Anyway, as far as has been reported, or as far as anybody knows at this point, none of the kids were aware that this was happening. So where do I start? You know, as an older mom, I do have friends whose kids are on this part of the journey, applying to and starting colleges, and it is really competitive and stressful. And I think I mentioned this last week or a few weeks ago about how colleges are looking for kids who are developed and successful in many areas, not just academically anymore. So one of my friends has hired a college coach for his kids. Now he said he wished he'd hired this person when his oldest child was in 10th grade. Now these are successful kids academically and in sports, but this sounds crazy to start planning in 10th grade what activities, volunteer work, etc that a child should be doing over the summer or after school in order to give the child the best chance at a school of his or her choice. Now for us here in Southern California, I hear a lot of talk about USC and UCLA, and we have a lot of great schools here in Southern California. Depending on a child's area of interest, whether it's science or marine science or law, a lot of great schools out here, but those are the two big ones that kids in the LA area wanna get into, along with any of the other obviously Ivy League type schools. Now this is a very different world than I was in when I was getting ready for college, or at least as far as I know. Now my parents couldn't have afforded a coach even if it were a thing back then, but I'd never heard of this until lately, so I don't know how long it's been around, but this has definitely been an awakening, hearing about this process from several of my friends. But I'm gonna talk about the good news in a minute for those who might be concerned about having to shell out more money for college coaching and who knows what else, in order to give their child a better shot at getting into the best school they can down the road. And for many of you, this is way down the road. But first, I wanna talk about what must be going on in these kids' heads who have found this out about their parents helping them cheat to get into college. Now, I don't know what these relationships were like anyway, and maybe there are other symptoms of this that are already apparent. But to me, I would imagine the children are pretty hurt. I'm thinking thoughts like, I wasn't good enough, or you didn't believe in me, or you aren't proud of me the way that I am, are the messages that they're getting now that they're learning about this, that this is coming to light. Now, I won't try to second guess the psychological mindset of the parents, there's a lot going on in there as well. But in addition to their legal troubles, these parents most likely have a lot of collateral damage to the relationships with their children. And who knows if they'll be able to undo that, or, if they even have the tools to do so. But here's the good news I wanna talk about. Kids can still be very successful in life by being who they are, by us letting them be who they are, guiding, supporting, giving opportunities to help them find and explore and tune their own gifts and talents and helping them work on their struggles and beefing those up and helping them recognize all of this. 
So I was listening to one of my favorite podcasts the other day, and I actually remember Furkan asking me about this probably well over a year ago, what podcasts I listen to. And I have a new favorite. His name is Ed Milet. If you haven't heard him, he's high energy, super inspirational, success-minded, don't let anything get in your way, especially yourself kind of guy, which is not most, but all of us. We all get in our own way. And he has incredible guests, but even when he doesn't have a guest, his podcast is just out of this world. So if you're looking for something inspirational, something to help you look for your goals, reach your goals, set your goals, and how to get there, I highly recommend his podcast, Ed Milet, M-Y-L-E-T-T. Anyway, he had a guest on the other day. His name is Jesse Itzler, and he has started many companies, started companies and sold companies. Anyway, he was interviewing Jesse and they were talking together and Jesse was getting ready to start his first company. He wanted to run a, I believe it was, um, it was a private jet service and he was trying to get use of a fleet of jets in order to run this service. And I believe these were jets owned by Warren Buffett. So he was talking to his company to try to get some sort of a contractor deal to use a couple of these jets to start this company. Anyway, the first meeting, I guess, didn't go great. And there was some point in the meeting or as he was leaving the meeting, he heard them say, one of them say to the other, I'll bet this guy didn't even break a thousand on his SATs. And Jesse got quite a kick out of this because as it turned out, he said he got a 980 on his SATs. And I'm I don't want to say that this for a fact because I can't remember, but I think that Ed even that Ed even chimed in about his own SAT scores that were even lower than that. And these two people are extremely successful today. Like I said, Jesse has gone on to build and sell many companies. Um, Ed is extremely is an extremely successful businessman. So, you know. <laughs> Doctoring the SATs and paying all this money to doctor the SATs to get into some top university does not mean that your child will be successful and not doing it. And if your child goes, doesn't go to college or goes to a local college or goes to a community college and then goes on to a school that isn't a top university, doesn't mean that they won't be extremely successful. Letting your kids be who they are, giving them the room to explore and guide them in getting these opportunities to explore who they are is really what our kids need. They don't necessarily need to be squished into some peg that society sees or deems as the successful route to life. And of course, any parent who has more than one child sees how different they are. You know, if I look at my oldest son, he is a two-time junior Olympian in who will probably continue to be in swimming. He has another event coming up where he has qualified for every single event he has ever swum, including the 100 back, which he hasn't done since he was eight. He made the fourth grade math team. Four kids in the fourth grade had earned a spot on the team, and he was one of those four. And he's going on to the district competition. He sold $4,200 worth of popcorn, blah, blah, blah. Like this kid's resume is incredible. I have two other kids. They're younger, but you know, this is just not going to be their path. They're going to have a different path. My daughter is really into baking and cooking. And so I'm really trying to support her in that and helping her, you know, which means that I need to help her. I need to help her cook. I need to teach her about cooking and baking and she loves doing it. So I do 
whatever we can after school to spend time doing that. My other son loves to play hockey and loves hip hop dance and also does very well in school, but as you've heard, struggles with some behavioral issues. Um, And that's okay. That's who he is. And he is going to take that amazing personality of his, and I think he's going to be an incredible speaker or politician or who knows what he's going to do with it. But he's going to have a different path. And this is my job, is to lead them all on their own path and give them those opportunities to take their own path and find their own interests and not try to squeeze them all into some like academic athlete scholarship star um, path because that's not for everyone. And if it were, this would be a little hard because then nobody would get any scholarships if everybody was trying to go down the same path, right? It just would be ridiculous. So our job is just to let our kids be whoever they need to be and guide them and support them in making good choices and moving forward, learning about themselves, their positives and their struggles and helping them work through those. If you have a parenting question you'd like answered, send an email to podcast at yourvillageonline.com. Thanks for listening and see you next week.